I want to start out this morning by reading uh, Hebrews 11, 6 through 9. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It is by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah con condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even without and when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner, living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. I'd also like to read a passage from Malachi three, six through ten. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? Why did, why did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. How many people here made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Okay. By now, any of um, us that have made a New Year's resolution have already reverted back to old habits, smoking, eating unhealthy, using the treadmill for a clothes hanger. <laughs> Once again, I guess this year wasn't the year for change after all, but next year I'll be more dedicated to changing, or maybe I'll lose the extra weight. The problem with a New Year's resolution is that we make them because that's what we are supposed to do. Most of us were from a young age were taught to make New Year's resolutions. Not sure why, but. <clears throat> and to do a new year, um, it's a new year for a new change, but I say what we need today is not a resolution for our problem but a revolution. We need to tap into the true source of change, and that is only found in the power of God for every area of our lives, and live obediently to his word. There is one word that speaks of how God can revolutionize our Christian walk and enable us to live a blessed life throughout the year, and that word is faith. If you decide to make a New Year's resolution, but don't have faith, you are setting yourself up for certain failure. But all of the improvements we want in our lives can be ours by exercising our faith. We have God's best when we, when we exercise faith in him. 
we're able to keep the New Year's vows we only, by only making and believing in God for the impossible. In fact, Scripture tells us that the key to having God's favor in our lives is to have faith. Our faith pleases God, and if we please God, we will walk in God's favor. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you don't please God, it doesn't make any difference who you do please. Our number one job is to please God as Christians. As Christians, we please God in a very different way than most other religions. We don't need to cut our body. We don't need to take a vow of poverty. We don't need to do certain rituals. Carrying crosses through the streets. We don't need to light candles in a certain order. We don't need to burn incense. You cannot pay your way into God's favor. But we are told everyone here today, regardless of who you are, your income, your social status, we can all please God with our lives. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he will reward those who earnestly seek him. And that is found in Hebrews 11:6. How many of us here today believe that you can please God through faith? If you believe that, then everyone here should be seeking that reward by seeking God. Faith means acting in obedience to God's command. It means trusting God at his word. It means obeying God when he gives you direction in your life. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't believe that everyone's idea of God, many people have the idea that God is mean and that he is constantly out to get you. And he's just waiting to point out all the th wrong things in your life. He is just sitting up there waiting to breathe fire and, or strike you with lightning or some type of judgment on our lives. But this verse, this verse in Hebrews says that when we come to God in faith, that he, he earnestly desires to bless us. He wants to, he wants to meet our needs. I didn't say he wants to meet our wants. He wants to meet our needs. So what is faith? Faith is how we please God then we should know what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good testimony, by faith that we understand the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were are seen were made, oh, were not made of things which are visible. If we can see something, it doesn't take any faith to believe it exists. When I see it, I will believe it. Probably all of us here have said that at least once in our life. But faith is just the opposite. Faith is believing before you see it. Do you believe heaven exists? Have you seen heaven? This is what faith is all about. It is being sure of what we hope for. You've never seen Jesus with a physical eye, yet you believe he is real. That's faith. Peter said this about Jesus as he talked to those who have never seen Jesus face to face. 
as he did. This was after the time Jesus went back to heaven, teaching people about faith in Jesus, whom having not seen, you love that faith being sure of what you hope for, trusting God for the things you do not see. That's where the Christian life begins. We can't see it. We can't taste it. We can't have a picture of it except the description of it given by God through his word. But we believe in heaven. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We even believe in the Holy Spirit because faith means believing before we see it. It's so important in the Christian life. Many times our faith is tested even after we are believers. In fact, every day is a test of our faith. Every day we are tempted by the devil. He says to us, you know that thing that you're hoping for or that thing you're praying for? That's not going to happen. It's not going to come true. You might as well give up. Stop praying. Filling our heads with doubts and reasons for us not to believe we are worthy. But faith is believing God even when you don't see it. Faith is obeying God when you don't understand it. In Scripture, um, we learn about Abraham in Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when called to, go to a place that he would receive his inheritance, obeying God, and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Abraham was right around 75 years old, ready to hang it up and, and just wait to go to heaven. God told Abraham, you are not going to hang it up. You're going to take it down, and you're going to a country you have never seen. Abraham said, God, where is it? God said, I will show you when you get there. God said, I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to give you a people. By your seed will all the nations of the world be blessed. Your seed will number as the stars of heaven. And from you, there will be a savior, the Messiah, the hope of the world. Abraham didn't understand what God said. He didn't have it all figured out. He didn't have a map, a map to where he was going. He didn't know exactly where he was going. What he would do when he got there. This reminds me of when we moved to North Carolina. We didn't have a place to go. I didn't have a job. We had two young kids. And... Um, we had sold our house, well, kind of, and moved. But the Lord provided a place to stay. I had a job within a week, and all the sunshine and fishing I could handle. But back to Abraham and his faithfulness. Can you imagine Abraham coming home to Sarah, his wife, and saying, pack up, baby, we're leaving. <laughs> she would have probably responded like, where are we going? On vacation? And then when Abraham says, no, we're not going on vacation, we're leaving for good. Then she wondered, where are we going? Abraham said, I don't know. Not sure how many wives here would say, okay, help me pack. Uh, I think most of our wives would call the men in uh, white jumpsuits and a little coat that ties in the back. <laughs> how many of us here would listen to God and follow him to a place we don't know? Now that's faith. And when our friends and family ask where we're going, just say, I don't know. God didn't tell me. 
He said, just go and I will show you. Abraham is known as the father of faith. He didn't falter or doubt God. He just packed up and let God lead him to a place that he didn't know. And it was counted for him in righteousness. He didn't understand it. He didn't know the whys and the wherefores. He knew God had a destination for him. God had promised Abraham great promises, and God sealed the covenant with blood. By the way, that's the same kind of covenant we have in God today. We have a new covenant that God has sealed with the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on Calvary to atone for our sins if we earnestly repent and ask him to be our Lord and Savior. Thank God for making a way for us. When we step out and obey the voice of God, even when we are experiencing faith, when we trust God, even though we don't understand. When you and I came to Christ as a child or later in life, you don't know what plans God had for your life. We don't know what kind of... So we were kind of like Abraham. God doesn't reveal all things the moment we accept him. To lead our lives. We are all on a need-to-know basis. And we must trust him with our lives. God wants us to walk with him one step at a time by faith. When you trust and obey God, when you don't understand what is going on in your life, that's faith. As trials come, as they came to Abraham, and as failures come, to us as they did to Abraham. There will also be disappointments. We have to dig in more and continue to walk with God, trusting God even though we don't understand that particular trial that you or a loved one is going through because we want to please God. And when we walk by faith, it pleases God. Faith is believing when we don't see it. Faith is obeying when we don't understand it. What is the thing in our lives that God wants to bring about? And we know God's given us that promise from his word. Yet we don't understand why it seems that his promise has not come into reality. You prayed, but the answer has not come. God has the promise that he answers prayers. But he, always, he doesn't always answer prayers how and when we want him to. He answers prayers on his timing. You see, we're not, we are not in control. God is. And he will answer in his timing, not ours. But he does answer prayers. We must continue to have faith even when we don't understand the delay or the trouble or trials that we are walking in. We need to be faithful in tithing, in tithing and giving back to God. Some of what he has supplied for us. Faith is not only believing when you don't see it or obeying when you don't understand, but it is also giving when you don't have it. How many here today or listening online have ever been tested and tithed when you didn't have enough money to pay the bills? And yet when the offering basket came by, you listened to God and put your tithe in the basket by faith and trusted God to provide your needs. And guess what? He did provide. 
And he will always provide as long as we walk in faith. That is the kind of faith, faith that pleases God. We find that when we give that way, God is in our debt to supply the needs that we have. As he has promised in his word, put God to the test. Tithe and trust God. He will provide. It's the only time in God's word that he says, prove that I exist. In Malachi 3 and 10, give the tithe and prove now. Herewith says the Lord, see if I will open the windows of heaven and meet the needs of your life. Notice he didn't say the wants of our lives. He said the needs. There's usually a big difference between needs and wants. So as you trust God for your needs, don't look for your wants. You might want a Cadillac, but you only need a Volkswagen. Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God said, I put my honor on the line. I put my reputation on the line. I put my promises on the line. Give and I will meet, meet your needs. Now we have a God as our partner. He is on our side. We're walking in faith, trusting God. We're living a life pleasing to God. And we will find that God meets every single need that we have. We find in 2 Corinthians, the Bible talks about the church in Macedonia and Philippi. Paul was challenging the churches to give. Paul said of these other Christians in other cities, out of extreme poverty, they welled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and gave, even gave a bond above their ability. Faith is not given by reason. It's given by revelation. All of us have an ability to reason and say, this is what I can give. I paid all my bills. This is what's left over, and I will tithe accordingly. But faith is giving. But faith giving is giving God his part first and then believing God to meet all your needs as you obey him and walk by faith. We have the same faith as Moses, Isaac, Abraham, even Joshua, even the faith of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Faith to withstand the fire and not to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and came out of the fire without even the smell of smoke on them. Now that is faith. Let's start the new year with faith in the Lord as most or all of our resolutions have failed already. The one thing that cannot fail is the promises of God. It's another year with the Lord, another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of mercies, another year of grace, another year of gladness, another year of leaning on the Lord, another year of trusting, another year of love, another year of training, and another year of service. Another year for thee, O Lord, indeed. If you have already given up on your resolution and find yourself no better off than you were at the end of last year, maybe it's not a resolution you need. Maybe it's a revolution. 
in James 4, there are uh, some New Year's resolutions. We find principles that are guaranteed to revolutionize our lives. Personally appreciate our time. Time is, uh, we know, is just a tiny little minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon, and we can't refuse it. Don't, we didn't seek it, we didn't choose it. We must suffer if you lose it. Give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. We express our appreciation for many things in many ways, yet James says that one thing which deserves our greatest appreciation is the matter of time, because time is a precious matter. James asks one of the most important questions in the Bible, what is your life? Let's look at it, life as a whole. It refers to life in an absolute sense. It speaks to life as God gives it. Life is the most precious gift God has entrusted us. He is a gracious, generous, loving God who is the source and sustainer of all life. How do we value life? How do we value one year? Ask the student who failed a grade. How do we value one month? Ask the mother whose baby, baby arrived prematurely. How do we value a week? Ask a newspaper editor. How do we value one hour? Ask someone who only has an hour left to visiting a dying loved one. How do we value one minute? Ask someone who missed a plane or someone that just missed a very um, bad accident. How do we value one second? Ask an Olympic medalist. Ask someone who just missed an accident. Well, that one too, I guess. <laughs> one second, Ron, right? Okay. <clears throat> Even one second is of the most important issue of time. Life is significant, yet not simple. Life is far from predictable. Life is a complex matrix of forces, events, people, and circumstances of we have little to no control over. Making it impossible to assure ourselves any specific future for what is our life but a vapor. It appears for a short time, then vanishes into eternity. As we look back at our own lives, we ask the question, where did all the time go? What have I done to further the kingdom of God? And I believe there's an equally important question, and that is, what can I do from this moment on to further the kingdom of God? I'm gonna do a little demonstration here. Um, they say that the average lifespan is 100 years old. So there's a hundred. So say you're 40 years old. What have you done, done for God up till now? And the other question is, what will you do God, for God for the rest of your life? I'm sure everyone in this room and listening online has made certain plans as we start the new year and certain goals they want to accomplish.
Well, it's not wrong to plan, but we need to plan the correct way. And that way is to plan with God. We should not seek to fit God into our plans. Well, we should seek to fit our lives into the plans of God. We should not only appreciate our time, but we should properly administrate our time in a way that brings honor and glory to God. I see you are all wondering how we do that. Treat each day as a gift from God. Each day of our lives are filled with activity, responsibility, and opportunity. I love the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. In the last year, we were all presented with many opportunities to serve God. Did we take advantage of them? We were presented with opportunities to share our faith or to help someone in need. Did we seize these opportunities or did we let them slip away forever? The biggest question is what we would do with our future opportunities. Will we look back next year at the same feeling of missed opportunities? We only have one life to live and it will soon be passed. Only what done for Jesus will last. You see, each day is a gift because we cannot produce tomorrow. We cannot predict tomorrow. It is out of our control, but under God's control. Because God is the producer and predictor of time. He is to have preeminence over our time. He is not to be left out of our fame, fortune, finances, or our future, whatever and whenever. God is to be is to be the major factor in everything we are and everything we do. We have no way of knowing what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. James is telling us that tomorrow holds is up to God. Furthermore, if there is a tomorrow, it is all up to God. If Jesus doesn't come and we do not die, we will live to see 2024. We should make dead level sure that our plans are God's plans and God's plans are our plans. We should treat each day as a gift from God. God and then trust each day as a gift to God. This is the only way to properly administrate our time. God is the one who will change, who is in charge of our family, our finances and our future. It is all up to him, not us. To live a life according to our will rather than God's will is an insult to God who gives us breath, time, and life. 